0: Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. The show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest
1: sports there is. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. It's Roscoe here, your co-host, sitting virtually opposite Jamie up there in Queensland. And we have a couple of special guests with us today. And it's following on from our podcast in the previous times with Gabby Ruffles and Ryan Ruffles. Well, we've got Anna-Maria Ruffles and Ray Ruffles with us. Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast, Anna-Maria and Ray. How are you?
2: Great, thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks.
1: Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I think this is going to be a wonderful addition to our podcast series. Jamie, how are you up there in Queensland?
3: Very well, thanks Roscoe. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed to say I'm seeing a bit of rain today, but uh, no, I'm, I'm, I am I'm certainly can't complain. So no, very well up here and I'm excited for this podcast because obviously chatting to Gabby in the last podcast and some of the work that I've done up here, uh, KDV Academy, which is a, an elite golf and tennis academy up on the Gold Coast Uh, it sort of I suppose for me renewed that sense of parents involvement in their child's sporting progress and their sporting journey and um, how a lot of parents really would love some direction and just some advice on how to navigate that path because you know for I would say 99.9% of parents all they want is the best for their for their child but navigating that pathway is not an easy one and I've been sort of in this field and, and as a tennis coach prior to this for, for over 25 years and I couldn't think of two better uh, sporting parents to to have on the show than, than Ray and Anna Maria. So I'm super excited to, to have them on and um, can't wait to pick their brain about a few things and also maybe throw – not so much Gabby, but maybe throw Ryan under the bus a little bit with certain things to get him back for all the, all the torture that he's caused me through the years.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> Anna-Marie and Ray, it seems like, you know, your children, Gabby and Ryan, have a wonderful relationship with Jamie. And when we've listened to them in the podcast, you know, their professionalism is First class, and and I wanted to say right off the bat, congratulations on having two wonderful children, ambassadors for the game of golf, ambassadors for Australian golf, and you know, and also what they do for you know, the country that they're living in now. And Anna marie your home country, but uh, wonderful, wonderful people that I had uh, only ever seen from an outsider's view. And, and getting the time to sit with them and talk to them was a real great learning experience from me, uh, from my perspective. But they do have. A very clear and wonderful relationship with Jamie. That, uh, and as you just said, Ryan can give a bit of banter and he's going to, probably going to get a bit back. <laughs> just, to, just, just to start off with, you know, like there's a little bit of an age gap between both the guys. And I think, if I remember rightly, Ryan sort of moved across to follow his professional career a little bit earlier and Gabby was still quite young. But what are some of the differences between? The two that you've, you know, aware of in terms of their personal styles or their personalities, and what was some of the things that we may not see.
0: Well, I think from early on, um, Gab, uh, Ryan clearly enjoyed competition, and even from like two years old, he just always had fun. It was always about enjoying the competition. In fact, sometimes on a tennis court, he would uh, give a couple of if he was much better he would give a couple of games away so he could get the the match a little bit closer. So it could be competitive. I just remember him as a kid playing competition and just always enjoyed having conversation while he, even with golf. I mean, he would have conversation with the other boys during the round. I thought, gosh, you really are chatty, but I think that even made him play better. I mean, he just really, and, and sometimes they'd have a little bet, you know, along the way in the match. So He's always been really, really good with competition. I mean, that's the one clear thing that I think our family has always noticed and we've noticed how easy it was for him to compete. Um, For Gabby, much more feisty, um, definitely as a tennis player, but I think those were just signs that she wasn't enjoying it. But she says she's still feisty on the golf course too, but she has to work really, really hard to suppress that. So I think I say she got the feistiness from Ray, but, you
1: know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways,
2: Ray. Of no. uh, well, most of the bad things the kids have got from me and um, <laughs> But the thing that's surprised me over the last four or five years is, um, and it's, I think it's these years between 16 and 17 and 20-odd or something, how the kids change. And I think up until that stage, um, uh, Ryan had had a really terrific, great temperament, and Gabby was not so good. And uh, it's changed around the last uh, four or five years, Uh, complete flip-flop. And um, not that Ryan's not a bad bloke, but um, (laughs) he's a lovely guy. But uh, he has to get his uh, temperament to my way of thinking back to where it was. And um, that's, you know, I think, um, you know, the mental side of all sport is so very, very big. And, um, you know, I think Anna Maria and I have tried to, to um, help by not interfering, make the road as easy as possible, you know.
1: And what about between the two guys, you know, what what's their relationship like? You know, we, we picked up a little bit from each other and, and how, you know, they might come together and play golf down at Isleworth and, you know, have a bit of competition. But, you know, over the journey, because parents, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, that are going to be listening to this that have got elite athletes and other kids and, you know, big families and whatever. What was that like between the two?
0: Well, yeah. I think one, um, when, when Ryan turned to golf at about 10 years old, I really thought that Gabby was going to follow him. And so she didn't, she stayed with the tennis, um, again, she was very feisty and he had a good, really good temperament. So he would always, you know, look at her like, why are you getting so crazy on the court? I mean, why are you just yes. <laughs> so crazy? Cause, and she would mm. looked up to him like, gosh, you compete so easily and so well, you know, how do you do that? Um, so I think that was a little bit of that. Um, and now I just think there's a tremendous respect between both of them. I I really do. I think they both respect each other for in different things. You know, I mean, Gabby has a lot of respect for his ability to hit shots and different shots and short game and just the create the creativity on the co- on the course and the and smart. And uh, I think Ga- Ryan is very uh, respect. You know, just amazed at how well she has the acceleration, you know, of her pathway and how fast she's gone and how hard she works, her work ethic, both have tremendous work ethics. and really proud of that. Um, both have really good discipline. Th- those are the factors I think that Ray and I have really tried to always um, prioritize, you know? Um, you know, whatever you do, whatever you do, it doesn't matter, you know, and that was a thing I'm I'm throwing in tangents here. It was easy for Gabby to leave tennis because I think we were much more, um, the emphasis was much more on, well, first of all, the, the enjoyment, but you know, just, it was not result oriented. It was not, um, rankings, you know, it was not, and it was just enjoyment and it was, uh, you know, whatever you do, work ethic, discipline, you know, so both of them learned that early on. And, uh, and that's always been a big thing with us, you know, professionalism, you know, just being
2: professional and Mm. go Um, ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think the relationship between them has been uh, quite good. Mm -hmm. Um, However, uh, Gabby admits to it more than Ryan. And, uh, uh, I think he uh, he actually respects uh, Gabby what she's done very very well, but uh, he's loath. He'll he let on it to me, or but he's outside. He uh, he doesn't really. He tries not to show it as much as, <laughs> as he possibly can. I believe. Yes, and as from
0: I think they both support each other tremendously. Yeah. They they really do. I mean. They're there for each other, for sure, for their sport. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to continue to grow. I think that's going to get, you know, just get improve. And I, I, I'm really, we're just really thrilled about that, that they'll, you know, help each other, support each other. And, you know.
3: I think Ray makes a really good point around, you know, I've spoken to Ryan in depth about this and how much he is somewhat amazed of what gab's done the last couple of years and absolutely is in awe of what she's achieved and then there is that little bit of a tinge of it's certainly not jealousy but it's he wants he wants to be doing the same thing at his level and you know that's the same with if a mate of his is performing really well he's very happy for them but there's something that's burning inside of him that's driving him to be that person. And sometimes on the surface that can, that can come across or sound like an unhealthy thing, but it's certainly yeah. absolutely not. It is rough has as much burning desire to succeed as, as, as anyone I've actually probably yeah. spent yeah. time with.
2: I, I most definitely agree. Yeah. And yeah. Um,
3: yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's just great to see that, what Gabby's achieved is only burning that fire even more inside of Ruff in a really healthy way. And, uh, you know, their relationship I've, I've been lucky enough to spend some time working with the both of them together at the same time in Vegas. And
0: just the, the way that they feed off one another is, is phenomenal. So, um, I think that once they, you know, once Gabby turns pro and they're going to, and they spend more time together, which is eventually what is going to happen, they'll be probably, you know, living in closer quarters with each other. I think that's going to just be so healthy for both of them. They can both feed off each other. Um, I just think it's going to be fantastic. Right now, Gabby, the the two don't get to see each other that often, you know, so they just watch results and things like that. But I I really think it's going to be one of the most advantageous things for both of them once they get to spend more time together.
3: Yeah, for sure. And I I think, too, one thing that I really wanted to tap into because – For me, ever since I I knew this this story about Gabby being, you know, ranked number one or two in Australia as a a young teenage tennis player and then almost instantly wanting to quit the game and give up everything that she's worked towards, um, my first thought was I wonder how Ray and Anna Maria navigated that, you know, being in the positions that you were both in within tennis at that time and how your daughter just was going to step away from something that, that, you know, both she and you guys have worked towards. Um, talk to me, uh, talk to us a little bit about how you guys navigated that. And, and what was your number one priority and focus point during that period?
2: Well, um, well, for me, ever since she began playing tennis, um, she's only going to be playing it while she likes it, you know? And, uh, um, often if I was giving her a hit or something like that, and I'm amazed at one end how well she's hitting the ball and she's going nuts up the other end, I, you know, it's ridiculous. And, um, and it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a happy thing there. And um, the schedule she was on um, for a young teenage girl was just not really on. And uh, there were some coaching disagreements, not essentially with me, but with Gabby and the and the other girl. And it, it just – so when Gabby said she wanted to stop, uh, for me, there's no problem, no problem. And Anna Maria said, well, that's fine, but you're not going to sit around and sit on your phone all week.
0: Well, no, it wasn't <laughs> quite like – it was well, more – well, so Gabby started the um, – She was in the National Academy for the school year of her year nine. And she and another girl, Jeanette Lynn, were in the academy together and they were homeschooling together. So everything they were doing, sorry about the noise, Um, (laughs) hard to get the volume and that going. Okay. Um, so they were homeschooling together and they were in a bubble, you know, eight in the morning you know, fitness, then the schoolwork, and then tennis, and then lunch, and then tennis and fitness. It was in a bubble, just the two of them practicing together with, co- with a coach. And this went on for many months. Um, she was seeing how Ryan was having a normal life. He was in year 11, and his life was normal, and he was ex- 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 excelling in his sport. And that did, you know, that was tough for her. You know, every day she'd have to get up, take the train, go to Melbourne Park, and he was going to school, regular I, school. You know? I thought
2: I was driving there
0: She was also taking the train. And um, so what happened, like October, November, she was on the tennis court, and she started crying. And the, listen, Tennis Australia is does a great job the support is amazing i mean we really have just they did their best with gabby there's no question Mm -hmm. um they one day she woke up uh she was on the tennis court playing a set against another player and she was crying just happened to be that the sports psychologist was there he got onto the court and he spoke with her and he got back off he goes i'm gonna pull her off this is just a little because I thought, oh, she's crying. Maybe she's losing the match or something. <laughs> and yeah. he goes, I'm going to pull her off because this is something a little bit different. Yeah. And so they decided that day that she was, you know, she says it's burnt, you know, and he goes, let's just have a break. Let's just you guys, Tennis Australia said, you know, everybody was in agreement. Let's just have a little bit of a break. So she's super fit. She is like amazingly fit for you know as you have to be. Um, the next day she wakes up and she's homeschooling. She's like, "I have nothing to do. Do you want to go hit some golf balls?" And I said, "Sure, let's go hit some golf balls." As so she does. The next day she wakes up. You want to go hit some more golf balls? I mean, this is a girl who just never wanted to play golf. I mean, this is doing back bends and just going in fits every time we tried to get her. Yeah, we the golf couldn't course. get her to hit couldn't golf balls. Get it. And so then the next day she goes and hits golf balls. And then the next day, you want to play a couple of holes. I said, well, if you're going to do all that, you might as well take some lessons. And so we went, we found Andrew Pitt over at Yarra Bend, who got her changing from tennis to golf, you know, trying to change a tennis swing to a golf swing. And then she entered a little like dinky tournament in Sydney, because we all had to go up for for Ryan and I just threw her in this little dinky rinky dink tournament, and at the first tee, I'll never forget. She said, "Gosh, they're talking to each other. That's amazing." And I said, (laughs) "They talk to? Of course they. You you can talk to each other." She goes, "Really? Oh, I'm gonna like that." So she really didn't like the intensity of of the tennis and the one on one. Like just the it just was nasty. Yes, nasty. It's me. You know, she liked the social part of the golf Mm -hmm. and she just, you know, really, we thought she was going to go back to tennis. Tennis Australia thought she was going to go back to tennis. They called three months after. How's she going? Well, she still wants to keep on the break, you know, and then four months, how's (laughs) she going? Well, she still, and it just evolved. We would have never, ever anticipated her moving to golf.
2: Um, she, she just started
0: playing and then pretty soon she just used that work ethic that she had with her tennis. She just applied it to the golf is really what happened. She just transferred the work ethic and, you know, just started working super hard. And then just her improvement was just from the start, her improvement has always been very, very quick. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, and that's how it's worked out. I mean, then, then we just she called tennis or she talked to one of the coaches says i don't think i'm going back to tennis i really like my
3: (laughs) And i think for me that's such a and and you guys would have obviously both seen it and Ray, you alluded to it earlier that even though she's up the other end of the court playing really nicely but you can tell that she's not enjoying what she's doing um you know for me i think through the years that's one of the biggest things that that I always have to have a conversation around with clients, especially when they start to get at that little bit more of a, we'll classify as more of a serious sort of mm-hmm. end to their sport. If they're 15, 16 starting to become quite good, then that conversation starts to become around, okay, well, what do you want to do to take it to the next level? I, I find the the thing that gets lost is the fun and enjoyment. And then the, the conversation around performance kicks in and things become a little bit too serious, which then triggers, you know, that burnout, which is just, I think burnout's something that, that a lot of young athletes experience without them even knowing they're experiencing it. So.
2: Yeah, I, yeah most most definitely, you know. I mean, when expectations and, and, you know, you've got to achieve this level by this and this, and it becomes, and I, and I honestly think a lot of drills and exercises in, in sports can be the same drill can be done in a different way that practice has got to be fun and challenging and fun but once you see them out there and they're killing themselves doing it the, and they're ending up almost in tears at the end of practice sessions that's no good that's not yeah. good and yeah. practice has got to be fun and uh, I mean a number of, I, I, I personally think from watching the drills that some of the Ryan and Gabby do. I think they're designed to destroy players, not make them better sometimes. And I also think the same with tennis. That yeah. you know, the, hey, we're having a good time and we're trying to improve here. Uh, and, and yeah,
0: early on. Whatever, you know, because we're both big advocates of um, having kids play a lot of different sport. I mean, we are both... Now, it may work, you know, for some people, but for us, we are big advocates of what you know we didn't know they were going to get into golf we had no idea in fact for both of them this was the last I I would have thought they would have got Ryan would have been more of a soccer player than golf I mean honest and and, uh, Gabby I thought she was just going to play tennis so I think it's important for early on for kids to jump into a lot of different sports you know or whatever they're doing you know they can even do piano or or whatever. Um, because in the end, you know, when they're 15, 16, 17, they are going to make a decision. And it just happened that both of them made a just de- like even with Ryan, he was a tennis player, for instance, and he was also playing soccer, and he was playing baseball and other things. At 10 years old, I put him into a little 11 and under golf. Nine hole. It was a nine hole little tournament. Mm-hmm. Now he was in the quarterfinals of a big tennis tournament. Well, not big, they're 10 and under, but it was, a <laughs> you know, it was. A, he was in the quarterfinals of a tournament that weekend. I put him in middle of the week. He played this 11 under 11 and under nine hole thing. They, he gets off the round and all the boys go to the short game area and they all for an hour. I mean, we couldn't get them off. They were fooling around you know laughing trying to do tricks we could not get the, all the parents were hanging out like we gotta we gotta go it's dinner time and he just that's what did it it wasn't it was like mm. this camaraderie yeah. of young boys all playing and having fun together yeah I'm telling you I said the next few days I'm like you got to practice your your tennis, you've got a tournament. Oh, I will. I will it's just, can you, can you, I need a driver. Cause everybody had a driver. Can I, <laughs> and he just wanted to go the, the driving range. Now we didn't, mm. it, What they yeah. gravitate to what they end up making their own decisions. If for, yeah. you know, for 10 years old, it just happened to be that day for yeah. Ryan. It just happened to be the other day for Gabby, mm. but whatever age, whatever time they're going to ultimately make that decision you know I mean you yep. can motivate them through you can bribe them you can motivate them through something or someone or someone can motivate them but in the end it's the self motivation mm. that's going to drive forward you know it's yep. not the bribery or you know
2: yeah harking mean, back back long while ago when we first started we ended up we began in groups the, the, we came together because of our standard of tennis at the sheriff's courts in um I oh, forget the name of Hilston Park, and um, you know we're still friends. Actually, there are a lot of good players there: Roachy, Mulligan, Gail and Cara Sheriff, me, Denty. Uh, I mean, and just having fun. She, Anna Maria grew up with Tracy Austin and um, uh, the Kramer Club. You know, used to practice with um, Pete Sampras, and if, 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 if that early pit can, mm, you, you, you get, get just good mm. fun. And doing this seems important. People seem to think this is important thing to do, either a tennis ball or a golf ball. Um, the golf think- golf is
0: almost secondary. It's going to see your friends. That's the primary. It's yeah. like I go to a golf course because my friends are there. It's almost yeah. like they're not even thinking that they're actually playing themselves, but it's just the whole, you know.
3: Well, I think too, too, Ray, you said before, and, and, and again, this is something that you both have such a great understanding of, you know, uh, I talk a lot about the difference between practice and training and practice is doing those drills that are, as you say, can, can sometimes feel like you're really working you know working you to the into the ground but training is if you have a look at what environment you're competing in if you're playing a tournament and you want to have a healthy relationship with competing and you want to enjoy that challenge and have fun you've got to spend a good 70% of your time training in that environment and that's where I think when you've got a young kid playing sport they go out there on the chipping green and all they're doing is having fun creating shots and that's some of the most powerful time spent and I think as athletes and as golfers especially as you go through that that level of of you know 15 16 17 you're becoming really good now the game can get a lot more serious and you can lose that connection to fun but ultimately if if you want to go and compete and play the best you can in a tournament i think for me the number one priority is you have to have fun out there to give yourself a chance to to compete near
2: your best yeah, you've got to be, A, you've got to be happy within yourself that you've prepared well, and B, you're looking forward to the challenge because you know you're ready to take, take up a, a sizable challenge. And um, yeah, another player that was around with us was Roger War, who had a couple of good cricket playing sons, but. Uh, <laughs> he did, he does. Uh, you know, yeah, It's sometimes when this practice gets uh, robotic, and in the wrong atmosphere it, it, even all the hard work in the world can be destructive. I think
0: what Ray's done really well too and has helped me um, is that Ray, early on Ray's really not a result-oriented person and I, I can tell you probably even a funny story And that I think Gabby was playing the U.S. amateur this uh <laughs> summer and Ray wasn't even, I I can't even remember the story, but I was like, did you watch Gabby on the TV? Because she was on the TV and he's like, oh, and it was like, she was in the semis. Oh, she played today. You know, it's like, how did you do? I'm like, (laughs) he goes, it's her, it's her sport, not mine, you know, but you know, I think it's important and it's hard as a parent, the hardest thing, one of the hardest things for a parent is to not put pressure on their kids And for both of us, we are not we have really tried hard not to be result oriented from the start. You know, it was never, ever about the results. It was never about the rankings. It was never about trying to beat somebody or win or win the tournament. We've always been very, very careful about adding that because they put the pressure on themselves. No one from the outside needs to add any more than what they put upon themselves as a competitor. And so I think the number one thing a a parent can do is after they get off the court or the course, the golf course is to be very encouraging first because they're, you know, especially if they haven't had a good round, but the, the number one thing is, did you meet the goals that you were trying to, accomplish today like yesterday you didn't think you were driving it well or you know you thought you're short game or do you feel like that was a little bit better because I know you were working on it or do you think we need to work a little more on that I think that's got to be a little more um much more of uh, the priority for parents you know and not imposing any pressure on trying to you know we've got a to, tomorrow if you you know if you make those putts and you know we we you could win this tournament, or you could get, no, that's, I think that for us, it it would make Gabby super nervous, and probably we'd see a lot of feistiness, and, uh, you know, we've just got to, as parents, we feel it's very, very important for us to stay away from putting any pressure on what the kids already do themselves, you know.
3: Yeah, and Ray, you said that story about you saying that, you know, this is, this Gabby's, this is Gabby's golf, not mine. Like I've got gardening to do. I don't need to watch her play. Like I think to me, that's in that itself, there is such like a diamond from a, not just a parent's point of view, but even a coach's point of view of sometimes we can attach so much of our own personal identity to either our child's or our athlete's performance Mm. You know, and that's where I think a lot of coaches sometimes can put a bit of pressure on themselves and then also onto their athlete that their identities is revolved around whether their athlete won or, or didn't. And if they had a bad round, you know, that the coach can feel a little bit less of a coach, so to speak.
0: I think what you just that, that, for me, that's so important that, you know, that's, he was Todd and Mark, though. Yeah, he it's was very the much same he, he never knew the rankings, how much money they were making, nothing. I mean,
2: we're yeah. just trying to get better we were yeah, just yeah. trying to get better and have a bit of fun you know and um yeah it, that sounds a little bit uh, weird i guess but um yes it, it was i really believe in that you know i i honestly i didn't look at the rankings i when i was coaching for the u.s tennis association and i was coaching on the girls tour and some of these mothers they'd go to the computer and they'd look up the rankings and then you know, they, an hour or two later, they'd go and look up the rankings again mm-hmm. on the computer. And, and in the end, I said, "Look, there's no point. It's the same as it was the last two bloody times you looked." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure.
3: And I couldn't, I couldn't agree more about the fun, uh, the fun component. I know I was with Ruff at a tournament in Peru last year with another client of mine uh, who qualified that week, and I was caddying for Matt, and Ruff was in the tournament, and we were doing some practice the day before the event and we ended up having a bit of a, bit of a putting comp, but using an alignment stick mm-hmm. to putt with. Just yeah. for no reason, other than you've, you've done some good work today. Let's have a little bit of fun and just, you yeah. know, it's, um, I think, yeah, there's, there's no more valuable thing to work on, to ingrain, to, to, ha- to have as your default setting out uh, than a fun, you know, mindset and a fun, uh, approach to your profession.
2: I, I uh, with Todd and Mark, uh, and I, with my kids, I try and encourage that, you know, you don't become on the circuit like hotel room, breakfast room, locker room, tennis courts, back, everybody over dinner in the same room, back to the gym, you know, back to just this yeah. bubble.
3: Yeah.
2: And uh, I used to want them to, for a couple of good reasons, bring a jacket so that we could, go out to the best restaurant in town or something or go and try and do some sort of sightseeing so that we weren't the same as everybody else on the circuit and we yeah. had more to us than that. And, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, I'm very happy with that to this day that we did that yeah. and um, yeah, I've tried to do that with nearly everybody I've, I've coached. And, you know, I got some, I enjoyed some of those restaurants and uh, <laughs> and, we, and played some golf, you know, nine holes of golf here and there. And uh,
0: I think yeah. even with Gabby, we, we have really, um, we've made that a habit too. Once a week, we, even if we're in like the most rural spot, we've been in Oklahoma City, which is nice actually. No, it was not Oklahoma City. That's a nice uh, big city. There was a smaller city in Oklahoma, but we can always find something. We enjoy yeah. looking at colleges, to be honest. We'll take a day and go and, and sightsee at the you know one of the universities, and that's always yeah. a lot of fun. But I think that's so good for the kids that they can just do one little like a half a day if yeah. you if you can spare it, you know. Well, and, I know Ryan spoke about
3: Ryan spoke about that story in one of our very first sessions, Ray, about, you know, you telling him about having to take a jacket to the tournament with, with the Woodies and and how he also likes to try and get in an afternoon of sightseeing or doing something at each of any can. And um, I think it's definitely such a valuable and such an important thing. Um, and even from a similar point, like Lucas Herbert, the last couple of years, uh, you know, 2019, he struggled a little bit and, that was because I think everything was a bit more serious. You know, we got in the top 70 in the world and then we set our sights on what do we need to do next? And we, we probably went a little bit too far. Um, the second we just stripped things back a little bit and said, mate, if you want to go to a restaurant and have a glass of wine on a Tuesday night or have a glass of wine on a Wednesday night, you do whatever you want to do. Because let's say the 10 or 15% negative impact on his performance for having two glasses of wine being in that state of mind and enjoying what he's doing is going to have a 50% positive impact, so it's a it's right. a winning formula.
2: Yeah, 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 for so sure, for sure. You know,
3: right? so I, I, I just think that, that 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 needs to be ingrained a, a lot more in, in the young athletes, obviously not drinking wine, but just the whole enjoying, you know, what they do, and, um, yeah, I think
2: that's important. Well, you know, as a former player, it's amazing how many times you play – some really good stuff when you're in a great situation and you're very, very happy. And yeah. it's amazing how much rubbish you play when you, you know, you're having doubts about yourself or life's not travelling great for you. Or, yeah. It's, um, it's more than a coincidence.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. And especially for, for you know, these athletes that their golf swing's not really going to change too much from day to day. Um, you know, so it is about getting, you know, getting their their, their life outside of golf in order in a, in a way that they can be as happy with and uh, and and just you know really create that solid connection to to having fun in their journey, and um, ultimately that's going to lead to to a better performance to begin with. But more importantly for me, it's a, a happier individual, and that's you know sometimes that can get lost in translation is are you a happy individual, healthy, mentally healthy and happy? Um, and then your performance should come as a second priority. And uh, and ultimately Just, when that formula is in place, you, you, your performance is generally better anyway.
2: For sure. Absolutely for sure. I mean, with a team, as soon as you can get everybody in that role or atmosphere that, hey, we're doing great and, you um, um, you know, just everything we were doing we're we're going great at, you know, you get the yep. momentum yep. uh the better better you're gonna time you're gonna have, you know. Yeah. And, and um so you just can't be knocking yourself down or, or anybody can't really be allowed to to knock anything down because it might even affect not only them but the group or something. Yeah. So for sure. Uh, uh you know, you've got to be I always tried as a, a coach to try and get a pretty happy band going around, you know? And yeah.
1: And I was going to ask, you know, you both played with along and alongside from the 70s, 80s, some of the great tennis players that, you know, of that generation. When did you guys realise in your own careers that mental performance was one of the keys to success?
0: Well, for me, the mental performance was more important because I physically was not a strong person. I couldn't, um, I wasn't like hitting winners and and blowing people off courts. Mm. You know, I, I like, I had an all court game. Um, but so I relied a lot on my, um, mental on the court and I was Probably more of a thinker on the court with mm-hmm. uh, strategy. And um, I was able to anticipate quite a bit because I, I just liked reading things. And, and I'm def- I was definitely more of that for me. I wasn't a physical player. So,
2: um, yeah. That's know. a really good summation, Boom. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Anna Maria has, has a terrific temperament, and, uh, and I don't. And, <laughs> and um,
1: be very honest.
2: And uh, uh, it was as I got older on tennis, um, we didn't have people to help us and things like that, and uh, I gradually came up with a formula where I could have a better temperament, but it took quite a long while. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the truth. It took quite a long while, and I always said, God, it took me so long to grow up. (laughs) (laughs)
1: well well, i understand that very much so because i didn't learn that in my own golf game as a junior uh, and probably one of the reasons why i didn't make that transition from you know reasonable junior to a better golfer you know and i i was privileged enough to be around some of the elite golfers of the time and and i didn't have any understanding of it and it's not until i got into my sort of later life and professional journey as a you know business person that i realized the value of it and i think you know the whole reason why i'm so attached to this project of the podcast with Jamie is I continue to learn, even at a later stage. And I think for parents out there, it's never too late to start learning. And I think, you know, if anything out of today is they learn the value of the work that a coach like Jamie does mm-hmm. with guys like your your own kids. What, what have you seen, you know, from their experiences in talking about the work that they do with Jamie? What, you know, Anna-Marie, we were talking a little bit off camera there before, yeah. how Gabby you know, really related very early on to Jamie and you liked that.
0: I wish I could remember his name and I feel really, really bad. I think he is the director of golf for, uh, in Victoria. Do you, he came from Sydney and now he's in Victoria. Shoot, maybe because I've just been away for a couple of years, but anyways, he's the, no, he's the one who recommended Jamie. So Gabby was playing in a tournament in Sydney and he came up, he goes, how's she going? And she hadn't been playing for very long either, a couple of years. I know who it was, and Maria. Luke. No, it wasn't Luke. No. It was, uh, darn, I'm going to get off here and I'll feel really bad, but I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely mention it once I think of it. Um, so he mentioned, you know, he goes, well, do you think, I have a great sports psychologist that you, that you might want to give a call to. And I thought, that's weird. Why, he didn't how is he seeing, she wasn't even feisty, acting feisty. You know, I was like, okay, <laughs> I guess she's, people must be talking that she needs. And so, um, you know, from the first session, Gabby was, um, it played a tournament, the Aaron Badley tournament in San Diego. Um, and that was, G- Gabby had a session with uh, Jamie Right before that tournament, and I'm telling you, it, it was the fastest turnaround I've ever seen. I think she came in second that week. I mean, it was an international tournament with a lot of foreigners, a lot of players, Japanese. And, and she. it was just the most amazing turnaround mentally in her, her round of golf that I've ever seen. And it just clicked. I mean, she, I, I just felt like Jamie's language, what he was saying, I just felt like that would relate so well with the kids. Just whatever he was telling me and was mentioning to me, I just thought it was just really easy, plain stuff. Just made a lot of sense. And I said, you know what? I just feel like Gabby's going to, even with Ryan, I just knew that Ryan could pick up something like that. And so it just worked. It connected so quickly with um, Jamie and Gabby from the start. I mean, it just, she just really took it on and just applied it. And since then, I mean, she just applies. I don't know. You can ask Jamie, but I think she really just listens and just tries to do the stuff that, that, that yeah. you make. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that part, because I just let you two, you know, on, yeah, go with it now.
2: Something but. absolutely uh, happened with Gabby, because at the same time she embraced this program at um, USC and um, you know, it was just a whole different just, ball game. Yeah, too. just really was. Uh, you know, wow. and it was very apparent to see. You know, it was wow. It, it was, it a and now people talk about her temperament. You know, she's been
0: on global TV, and they just are amazed at how you know composed she is on the court on the course. Mm. Um, yeah, but she said, I mean, it. it Really, it looks like it comes easy to her, but it, she has to work on it. Yeah. She really, really does. I mean, she is a well, I think the, I think the important thing too is that, um,
3: you know, knowledge is power and giving someone some information and some knowledge around what they can do to improve a certain part of their game is so empowering to people, especially when it comes to the mental game because there are so many fears and doubts and worries and concerns um, and, and I just think that the mental game for a lot of young athletes, if they work on that 5% of the time, that's that's a lot for most young athletes. So, you know, once we start to give them a little bit more information, and Gabby was, as soon as she started to learn some strategies on how to improve that side of her game, it almost like she grew a foot in, in, in height. She just got taller and she felt more confident and felt more in control. And I'll never forget that session. And we spoke about it in Gabby's Podcast about the time we were at Royal Melbourne, Anna Maria, and, and we took away practice swings from 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 Gab because she was getting so technical and so attached to her swing. And I just wanted her to imagine mm. a ball flight and just create the shot. And within about five minutes, the look on her face of "Oh my God, I can do this without trying so damn hard to do it."
0: Ooh. It might have been
3: a relief for her, even yeah,
0: from she the she tennis said days. That to me. You know, she's, she's, she's yeah. Said that. It could have been something that just like, wow, that just makes me relax. I haven't felt that relaxed. Is she probably even, it it could have been something, you know, she has felt that anxiety for so long and all of a sudden it just was such a turnaround for her. She might
2: have, you know, whatever whatever happened and Jamie obviously had some uh, part of it. I mean, it was was great to see. One thing that I'd like to say from, you know I was a player a long long time ago I wish this stuff had been around when I was at these kids ages you know because you it's you don't have to be Einstein to look at it and it makes sense and you can see the benefit of it and as you get older you know how important it is and uh, I really I would love to have had it when I was uh, mm. coming up.
3: Uh, here, here, I agree I I was sort of top 25 ranked tennis player in my last year of juniors in the country and had physically all the, all the talent, but boy, mentally I was not very good whatsoever. And, uh, I agree, right? I think, um, but again, saying that when I say I wasn't very good, I spent zero time working on my mental game mm. and that's not an exaggeration. It just was the fact that there wasn't, I wasn't exposed to any of those techniques, uh, any of those strategies, you know, let's say 1989, 1990 as a 17-year-old, I wasn't exposed to any of those techniques. So how can I expect to be good mentally if I don't have uh, the strategies or the teachings to help me? So that's the big advantage for kids these days.
2: I I, I honestly believe that.
1: And to to that point that, you know, how this form of coaching has evolved and and now it's a a very prominent part of, of elite athlete development, you know, and going back to my own story, I was friends with Gabriel Hurtstedt, who is over on your part of the world now, coaching in LA and out at a Scottsdale where he lives, you know, two-time win on the PGA Tour. And I recently did a podcast with him on another one. And I reminded him of the time when his uh, dad came down to our house in the Hunter Valley um, in Cessnock. And my dad asked his dad, what is Gabriel going to do when he finishes school? Now, he was clearly on a path of playing golf. But Gabriel's dad, who was um, had moved the family from Sweden to Australia to you know, help, uh, Gabriel play mm-hmm. golf said he works for me on the golf course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and what a, what a transition between, you know, that type of attitude and not obviously work for Gabriel and it's not a criticism of his dad, absolutely not. And, you know, Gabriel has a wonderful story about coaching and, and how to deal with um, this type of thing as well. But yeah, that attitude of, he works for me on the golf course. It was very clear that, you know, you play golf, I help mm-hmm. you play, you know, fund that golf yeah. and away you go. And that's what you're going to do to, mm-hmm. to now we're, where, you know, it's, it's changed. And I think parenting's changed. I think, you know, I'm different to what my son is different. You know, like my, my experiences and attitudes as a child are different to what my son's are. He's so much more broadly exposed to all the different things going on in the world, which, you know, we just had, I had my BMX bike, my golf clubs on my buggy, my hockey strap that I would trolley the, you know, ride the bike to the golf course every afternoon to hang out with the kids. Like we talked about at the start to be around friends. And have fun, and uh, it's different now. The, sim- for, the
3: simple life, yeah,
1: but it, but it is different now, and I can see how important you know this type of environment, especially at the elite level, to create you know high performing athletes is so 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 important.
2: Yeah,
0: and yeah. I think starting early is, is is a good thing too. I mean, you don't have to wait till you're a professional athlete to
2: yeah no. yeah
1: yeah yeah. yeah.
2: Thing, you but, know, you know, it's also pretty apparent out there that uh some parents, you know, they've never been good at sport or anything like that, and that's their greatest hope and for their kids and it, it's a it's a together thing, you know yep. Yep. Like, I, I, the, they they hanker for that, they've hankered for that life all their life. And um, it's hard for them because the kids are eventually going to leave them. <laughs> they're not gonna they're not going to be on the bag forever and uh it's a it's a hard one sometimes it works but yeah i for me i think the the player itself's gotta they're gonna hit the ball and not too many coaches. i just
3: i agree and i just love so much ray that whole story around gab's US US amateur where you, you wouldn't even you didn't even realize she was playing like that's to me is that's fascinating and as I as I alluded to and spoke about earlier that and you just mentioned then about how a lot of parents can put a lot of you know pressure on their kids to create something of this themselves that's projecting something about them personally Um, which again is a very difficult um, situation and environment for high level performance in anything to be, to be fostered from. It's um it's not the healthiest of environments, but it does, it does happen and it is out there a lot. And uh, I think, you know, any parents listening to this, you know, they may have that little bit of a, an awakening of, Oh my gosh, maybe I am doing that a little bit and it's normal and natural, but it's not healthy or productive. And, and uh, Roscoe might be a good time to go into our, um, our three do's and don'ts from Anna Maria and Ray. What are, what are what are three things that you guys perceive parents can do to help create a really healthy environment for their their, their kids' sporting pursuits to to, uh, to to sort of grow from, but also creating a healthy relationship between you and your and your child.
2: Um, I, I haven't thought too much about it. Uh, I was warned, but I didn't. Uh, one of the things <laughs> I think that we did well, is that uh, in our house there's no trophies around and very uh, purposeful. I definitely wanted the kids to think they could get better than us uh, (laughs) and I didn't want them to be running around idolizing like they, you know, uh, because I think that's um, stalled I think that both Anna Maria and I have been very uh, supportive in the fact we've been willing to get up at four thirty in the morning, or drive anywhere, or uh, do we understand the importance of practice? So they need to be driven or picked up, or you know, any any of that. They know they know that we understand about what it takes to be to be to get better. And um, and now the third one, um, I've got to think a little bit more about because. Uh, I, well, yes, I I think it's, uh, I've always liked the fact of, you know, not saying, oh, how'd you go, how'd you go, you know, what'd you score? Um, Did you go all right? I've always been very big, not on the score, but asking how the temperament goes. I've never, I ask the main thing, they've done well, whatever they've scored, if they let themselves down temperamentally, well, that's not a good one, but if you've, done a good job that way, you've done great. Mm. Sensational. My... <laughs> Sensational. Um,
3: and mm. Ray and anna Maria, I think in, in you getting up at 4.30 in the morning and, you know, really being that big supporter of the kids, what were you projecting from an expectation? Were you, what were you expecting from the kids in return?
0: I, I for me, I was just it was sort of lead by example. I mean, if we're willing to yeah. do whatever it takes, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes sort of thing. I mean, it's just sort of the thing. I mean, it's, it's the discipline, you know, it's the adding the work ethic, the discipline, you know, it's, it's, it wasn't like we, you know, it's, it, 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 again, if there's, it wasn't, there was not intensity involved in getting up at four thirty in the morning. It's just, that's part of the professional Profession. Yes. We need to warm up. We need to stretch. Yes. We need to do these things to be ready for this time. What do you need? You know, how are we going to, so, so we. it was a mutual thing, you know, and yes, we're willing to do that work for you. If you have a good attitude, if you, you know, are showing positive, you know, uh, practice and this and that then we're willing to do whatever it takes to help you and support you we you know that was for sure they know to this day that we'll do whatever it takes to support them as long as they you know it's a positive thing passion and and they 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 are motivated or whatever we're going to definitely be there to support them and
2: Hmm.
3: yeah i love i I love the fact that both of you didn't mention one thing about outcome rankings results it was just all about your approach to your game and your approach to your you know your um your attitude and and that sort of stuff i think that is that's all you expected back of them and and that's no doubt for me a really powerful environment to create for a young athlete so yeah that's fantastic
2: Well, thank you. I mean, we've, we've learned a bit from our own careers and and stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, we've been, but I think think also we enjoy, we enjoy helping them.
0: But I think also another thing too, is very important. I'd like to say for parents is, um, and it's part of the pressure thing is you don't want to get ahead of yourself. You know, you're 10 years old talking about I'm going to be a professional tennis player or professional, you know, that's too many steps you yeah. know, and yeah. they get disappointed. And then yeah. a lot of, especially girls, you know, six, 15, 16, 17 is when they start. That's a really yeah. vulnerable age for girls. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if they have these huge expectations like, oh, I was supposed to be a professional and now I'm not, it doesn't look like I'm going to be a professional, yeah. you know, yeah. then they kind of lose a little yeah. bit of, of motivation to play. And we just want girls to keep playing, whatever yeah, it is, yeah, just you, keep playing throughout their life, you know, and if they stop, it's okay to stop and do other things. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, I think it's really important to, to take the small, and I think Jamie's done a really good job with that. Just small little goals. In fact, Gabby's, I don't think goal oriented at all. She just likes to go one day at a time. Yeah. And, um, you know, just, okay, you're, you're in the 11 and under, you know, Start with the 11 and under, see how, you know, how accurate you can be in the 11, you know, and then go to the 14 and under, 16 and under, then, you know, play college. If you, you know, maybe aspire to play college when you're six, 15, whatever, just move that way. If it eventually becomes, if it hits you in the face that you become a professional, but at least you're not throwing too many big pressure goals too Mm -hmm. early on. And Mm -hmm. I think parents sometimes get a little too,
3: I think, Anna-Maria, you have hit the absolute nail on the head there when it comes to expectations, pressure, how, you know, the the athlete is, is expected to or is driving towards something that is maybe the 10th step on the ladder as opposed to the next step on the ladder. And I know Ruff and I went through this at the start of 2019 when he lost his card on, on Latin and – got it back through the tour championship at the, um, the development tour. When we went through setting goals for that that season, I remember we, we broke the building blocks down to the smallest possible goal to start with, and his very first goal in the first event was to make a cut. Mm. Now, that was just for where he was at at that point in time. His confidence wasn't that great. So we went through the process of make a cut, top 40, top 30, top
0: 20, I love that with yeah. Ryan to do doing stuff like that. I mean, and then he comes second. The first event back. Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah. yeah, you know,
3: it's just yeah, having I mean, those those not lower expectations, but just having a building block to the yeah. bigger stuff just helps the athlete to detach from being overwhelmed and you know perceiving they have to perform perfectly to achieve their goal and we've got these little building blocks it just creates so much more of a healthier environment for them and um yeah you hit the nail on the
2: head there it's uh, some know. of the that's some of the, the faults with uh sports science and you know you're tracking at this and you're tracking at that i've got a little suspicion it had something to do with ash barty and you know yep. no you've got to come away and build yep. and uh in Sports science—it's correct, it's right, it's—but <laughs> it's important the way the message is delivered and how it's delivered. Important, yeah. and yeah. Uh, because the kids are still humans, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so important. It's so important, not just <sighs> let it all go. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, why don't we go into your your three don'ts for parents? Your three don'ts. anna Maria looks like she's got a couple here to do that. To
0: do. I that my don't, you know, just yeah. don't. All of these, you could switch it to a positive or a negative. Yeah. My, yeah. My, my don'ts were don't talk about rankings and winning or losing, you know, priority sh- it has to be improving, um, you know, and then we talked about this already. You know, it's uh, – You can bribe the kids all you want, but you've got to just introduce them to a lot of different things and then they will pick their path. You know, they'll pick their path. And in fact, they're going to be a lot better with the diversity of all these different, you know, introductions to different uh, sport or whatever they're doing. You know, it's just going to be a better road for them anyways, you know. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely st- steer away from sticking to one thing early on and just, just playing that particular, um, yeah. sport for sure. And yeah. then, I mean, we've already talked about the steps is what I just mentioned, you know, taking yeah. it one step at a time and don't get too carried away. Don't get too ambitious as parents, you yeah. know, you're yeah. not playing. It's not your career. It's theirs, you know, Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. You, know, you want okay. them to keep playing. So. What about you, Ray? as far
3: as don'ts, I know you're pretty honest and can be sometimes pretty pretty uh, blunt and to the point. Um, I, I want to extract something here that uh, you know something that you might have seen as a coach through the years that just is, a, is, is the number one don't for parents um, to, to do and something that really hinders the athlete's development but also the, the relationship that the parent has with their with their
2: child. I don't know when I was working for Australia. Uh, I had a a saying which I maybe not have fought quite so hard for as I should have, in that I think kids only leave school when they have a professional career guarantee, otherwise they stay at school until they finish school and then go and get, because you don't leave school to go and get a professional uh, career. I mean, some people have, like, Bjorn Borg and Boris Becker and maybe Rod Laver, um, but they're very far, few and far between. And I think it's a healthy, uh, very, very healthy uh, development for a person to stay at school, go through a little bit of inconvenience and, and see what you're prepared to put into your life until you get it and then, and then move on. It's also very difficult uh, with sports to jump steps and uh, it can be done Uh, it's it's not easy and it doesn't happen very often by you know in all sports there's different levels you have to go through what I mean by steps and um, and and if you can try and touch every one of them on the way up I think you'll be a very much better athlete at the end uh, and better person at the end Um, don't don't go getting upset about their results. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not your game. You haven't hit any shots. Plus, they mean <laughs>
0: nothing in the juniors, anyways. I mean, the 12 yeah. and under 14, I mean, just, they just don't mean anything.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's very funny. Some people come and congratulate us on one of the kids doing well. I said, oh, I didn't hit any balls. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, <laughs> and
3: I've heard you say that multiple times, Ray, too. That you know, don't congratulate me. I, I haven't done anything. Like it. It's, um yeah. <laughs> for me, it's a very I think that's one thing that's really stood out to me during this podcast is the fact that you guys have this great understanding that um yeah, it's not it's it's not you. Um that you're not you're not caught up too much with you know, your kid's performance and, and whether, whether, you know, Gabby or Ryan win a tournament or they miss a card or it, it doesn't say anything about you as parents. And it doesn't really say anything about them as, as people as well. It just, it just is what it was. It just was one, one week where they didn't quite perform at their best, but what can we take from it? What can we learn from it? How can we grow and get better? And also in the face of that unsatisfactory performance, if you like, what did you do well this week? Because there's going to be something that you did well this week, even though the outcome wasn't exactly yeah, what you did. That's
0: so, really good.
2: Really, really good. Uh, I'm, uh, I know I'm Australian, but <laughs> one of my pet pet dislikes, I feel, <laughs> is, is is that I think Australians are overcritical. And and I think that one of their great traits, whereas America is the exact opposite. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who wants to get in, Ben. I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> no, dog, dog friendly podcast. Bring, bring him in. He
2: talks to us. He's demanding. There you go, mate. Yeah, but, um, no, it's important. It's important to come away with something good. Not, you know, oh, the course is bad. The, the, this is uh, nothing. They're not going to play any on another course. They're not going to play another tennis course. They're going to play in this court. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's got bull ants big on it or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it. it, it, it um, and I, and I think as an Australian trait, uh, I like to encourage them not to not to do that one. We've got to try and find some little thing where we can build, and um, uh, you know. But still, and all, I mean, when you hang around tennis courts and golf courses, hear that too much. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, I couldn't agree more. I think that's such a good point to to just always always focus on the things that you may have done well today, as well as the things that you could improve on and develop. Um, but yeah, positive reinforcement for me is one of the most important things yeah. to inject and ingrain. And um, yeah. a lot of young kids these days, especially, just don't do it enough. So
2: yeah, I believe that. I definitely believe
1: that. Jamie, yeah. is there is there anything else that we want to talk to the guys about while we've got them, or I think I think we've got uh, enough to to Ros- uh, Roscoe we could talk we could talk for hours uh, both of us to, yeah. we could talk I could for could hours
3: talk to Anna Marie and Ray for, for weeks about uh, about parenting about performance and um I just love getting the opportunity to, to to pick their brains and talk to them about um about this stuff and then I knew that having them on the podcast would be so valuable um in, on so many levels so I appreciate you both taking the time to join us today I really do and uh Ray, it's great to see you um, fit and healthy. I know last time I think I spent some time with you. You were struggling with a bit of back injury, but you've got oh, that sorted now. Absolutely. I can't on, wait to visit to
2: 15 this. 15 pounds, mate. I've done, any
1: harm. <laughs> oh, well, done. <laughs> was, well done on that. Well done I was just going
3: to say, I can't yeah. wait to visit this, this garden of yours. I expect it to be a phenomenally uh, uh, detailed garden. Um, <laughs>
2: <Yeah. I'll>, uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to Ryan coming back. Few weeks and helping me too. Yeah, good, yeah absolutely. Good luck with that. He's got to
1: he's, yeah. got to. he's got to. He's got to do his chores. He's got to do his chores. That's right.
3: Exactly.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> Anna Marie and Ray, you, know, you might not uh, willingly accept the congratulations on your children's golf performances, but please accept my congratulations on their performances as human beings because they are wonderful young people. Yeah, when, I, not. when I've <laughs> met them,
2: important.
1: and uh, uh, and 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 that's exactly right. And. So, we appreciate your time that you've given us you've been very, very generous with your information, very generous with your time and I think that the parents that do listen to this and everyone that listens to this is going to get a lot out of it. Thanks for joining us. I hope that maybe one day we can uh, reconvene you know mm-hmm. you in Palm Springs, us me in Melbourne, Jamie in Queensland yeah. maybe well, one day well. maybe one day we might even get to travel and do it together face to face. Who knows but um, it's wonderful to have you on, and thank you once again. appreciate thank it you. appreciate yeah, it. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for that. We'll see you next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Jamie, thank you.
0: Thanks, Roscoe. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast.